listeners, denizens of the craft nation, those who call themselves crafties, those who have been with us since the beginning, since the very dawn of the great idea, the one podcast to rule the arena. The one podcast that could keep Covert Go Blue coming back every week. Crafties, it is time for the final episode. My name is Arjuna. I'm one of your hosts. We're joined today by regular returning co-host Covert Go Blue. You thought this was going to be a Samba podcast. But actually, we have a ton of fun lined up for you today. How is it going, CGB? Someone cut onions in here? The hell? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you're doing that already? <laughs> what can you see on the horizon? <laughs> we, we, we get singing Happy Morning, Cobra Goblin. Why do the white girls call? Um, hi. Uh, some people might not know because the statistics tell me that only about 30%, did you know this, who click on our episode actually stay till the end. Did you know this? Some might not know, because if they didn't listen to the end of last week's podcast, the title that I'm sure is going to be on this one is not clickbait. This is, in all likelihood, the final episode of the Arena Craft Podcast. And we are going out with, hopefully, um, some good feels and vibes for all of you trying to do right by the fans. Always a driving factor in my life to do right by the fans. So... This is one last Arjuna Awards. Um, but I, I thought before we do the awards, maybe we could give people a little context if they wanted it, you know, up front. Why are we why are we sunsetting the show? What's going on? I think to answer that question, we need to understand the context of both Covert Go Blue and my kind of arc over the past couple of years. So I'll say this. I started this podcast because I felt like there was an underserved niche. And that was people who are playing MTG Arena, presumably a number of them new to Magic, who didn't really have content tailored for them. I always wanted to make a Magic podcast, but I felt like it's a pretty saturated space. Like if you tried to tally the total number of podcasts in the MTG category, you, you just probably wouldn't even be able to find them all. There are so many podcasts out there. I learn about new Magic podcasts basically every week on Twitter. And I'm like, wow, I should have been listening to that one all along. So I was waiting for an opportunity to do something unique or something original or to find an audience that hadn't been served in the magic space. And that opportunity came along with Arena. And um, after the platform being out for like probably a year, I just realized that no one was really making content for it. And so I started doing it. That was how the show originally came about. And then probably like four or five months into making the show, the pandemic hit. I mean, it was perfect for anyone really getting into arena. It was perfect for me really getting into content. There was just a lot of time sitting around the house, not doing very much. A lot of time to brood, a lot of time to think about the meta game, a lot of time to work on the podcast and grow a community. And so that's what I've really focused on in the last couple of years is doing so. And I won't speak too much for CGB's side of it, but 
you know, I think uh, when CGB and I met, this is what I feel like CGB. I feel like you were like going along and your graph started to go up. And I feel like I met you right here. And then it was like, Yes, so my I, na my graph is now a very erect skyscraper. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> a, a titan God. of industry, if you will. Uh, so I feel like CGB had a, probably a little bit more time in his schedule as well. And uh, basically, it was just, it was a good thing. We had a good time together making content. But what happened since then, um, I got a job. And uh, before then, I'd been working from home. I've been working freelance. I had a lot of time on my hands. And uh, I got a job, which is fairly demanding and asked me to travel a lot. So that's part of it. I really, my time is a lot more dear now than it used to be. And, you know, COVID is, it's not over, but there are a lot of mask mandates lifting. And basically I'm just getting out a lot more. Meanwhile, I know that UCGB, uh, you know, a ton of other things going on. Uh, you're also traveling more. So, you know, that's part of it, I think, is that Schedules have changed. Priorities have changed. I think another thing, which maybe you'll take us into a little bit more CGB, but another thing is that I think both of us really expected for Arena to be like a premier magic product and kind of like the way forward. We transitioned to like competitive events happening on Arena during COVID, obviously. It was kind of a natural transition, but I think you and I were both hoping that that would occasion like a real focus on the platform uh, from Wizards HQ. We both seem to feel like that has not happened. Maybe you can elaborate on that. I'll give it a try because it's hard to put into words well. But the phrase that keeps coming to my mind is I thought that Arena had an opportunity to kind of change magic or change the way that magic was played. And it seems that in a lot of ways, both Wizards of the Coast and in some ways, the audience just wants another way to play Magic. And that, that's what they want Arena to be. I think we've gone through the cycle. Arena was the new hotness. Um, Magic tried their esports push, which is kind of a meme now, but was very exciting for people at the time. For anybody who ever attended a Mythic Championship that was held on Arena or the Mythic Invitational at PAX when it happened, it was very exciting. And that stuck with me for a long time. It definitely helped get a lot of people through COVID, but coming not again, not over, but coming kind of to where we are today, especially in the last like six months, it seems like a lot has changed to where arena instead of being a cool shiny toy has very much become something that's invoked to complain about and a lot of this is not the community's fault a lot of this is wizards their approach to the economy their approach to alchemy their approach to so many things and i know that there could be an audience for get together and complain about arena every week but that's never the show I wanted to be on. And I know, I, I'm confident that's not the show you ever intended to make. So Indeed. when you start, you know, scheduling out blocks of time versus things going on in the world, like trying, you have to travel, I'm being asked to travel. Gosh, it seems like every other week now, it's kind of crazy how many events are filling up the calendar. And you're asked to schedule out a block of time to get together and talk about arena. And the primary thing that comes to mind that you're going to talk about is not very positive. It definitely takes the sizzle out of the steak, so to speak. Indeed, yeah, that, that sizzling soloist ain't so sizzling. 
who gave a trombonist the solo anyway. So um, I, I think there's no one thing that has led to us making this decision. I think it's more been kind of a like a gradual vibe shift. Um, I will say that there's a couple of things that have specifically kind of made me less excited to sit down in my chair every day and think about and make magic content. One of them has just been that um, the standard meta has been really boring for me for a while now. New Capenna, you know, has has reinvigorated a little bit, but I really feel like the decisions and the design choices they've made have just moved the standard meta game and magic on Arena in a direction that just hasn't been very exciting to me. And I think, you know, people will enjoy typecasting me as a ramp mage. Like the only thing Arjuna knows how to do is like play green cards that put lands onto the battlefield. I believe it or not, do have a greater range than that in what I enjoy doing in Magic. But I just, I really have not been enjoying the sets that they've been putting out for standards specifically. So that's kind of taken a toll. And I'm not someone like Kovac Go Blue who can just muscle through and reinvent himself every day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a swall against swall. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I think. So that that's been part of it. And then another thing has just been like there have been some problems with arena that have just frankly like should have been solved that haven't been solved. And they stack up over time. I just like I don't know how many more times I can sit down on release day of a set and not be able to play magic. I'm just sick of waiting for default land art to be a thing. And I'm sick of like going to import a deck and arena being like, there was one tiny little problem in your deck list. I can't import this deck anymore. The, the list that you got from an official wizard site, maybe. Yeah, 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 exactly. Maybe one of those lists, <laughs> you know, a list that doesn't include the new cards for some, I mean, it's just like, it goes on and on. Right. If we were to actually complain about everything that annoyed us about Arena, we would never do anything else on the podcast. That has just, I think more than anything, it's clear to me that, who knows, anything could change, right? But for the moment, Arena is basically like another MTGO. They made this product for people to be able to play Magic online. And, you know, it was fine. People played it. It made money. I'm sure that in the grand scheme of things, it was a profitable decision for Wizards. But it's clear that MTGO was like never the end game. And over time, it has just become this platform where they support it. You know, they release new cards on it. They kind of do the bare minimum to keep that product chugging along so that the diehards and the like small trickle of new players who come in still have something to play. But it's not a focus of their, theirs from like a larger design perspective. And I've started to feel that way about Arena. I feel like Wizards just has not put the oomph into it that they could have. Or maybe they tried and it was a, a failure. I don't know. I mean, if you mean by oomph, like bizarre marketing strategies and different formats that they then immediately, I don't think, knew what to do with. But I don't think it had to be that hard. They just needed to put awesome cards on the game. And let people play at a reasonable price model that works and not have these like straight up 
kind of insulting <laughs> approaches to it, like with a wild card bundle, right? I know I'm going to keep playing Arena. It's my full-time job. I'm probably going to be tied to the platform until it dies someday. I'm straight up chained to the rock, and I'll go down with the ship, so to speak, because I, I do still love it. I'm old enough to remember a day when you couldn't queue up a Magic the Gathering game on the internet whenever you wanted, and... Uh, just how I'm old enough to remember playing Magic literally against myself in the middle of the night, playing both sides, just because I wanted to play the game that bad. So I never forget that, and I continue to appreciate what Arena, what Arena offers. But as far as coming up with energy and enthusiasm about Arena every week, they're certainly making it harder. And it's going to be a long summer of you know no changes to standard until September. Alchemy, we can't talk about it without getting the heat. Which, honestly, yeah. that is exhausting. Yeah, That is tough to deal with when you try to get excited about something and the community goes, you suck. That takes a little bit of the spunk out of it, too. But I'm not saying that it doesn't deserve that. I'm just saying, like, you can't change how people feel. You can't change, you know, natural human reactions. It's just the way that the vibe goes. So that's a little heavy. Um... I'll still be in full-time content on YouTube, I'm sure, and occasionally Twitch. Maybe you will stream sometimes when you really, really feel like it. I'm looking forward to an Arjuna comes back and, you know, like in three months, just fires up the old Twitcheroo to watch a black screen on release day, you know? <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what. Wizards knows what they have to do to bring me back. And it involves blue and green and putting lands on the battlefield and casting big spells. Simic the set. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go get Arjuna back. We've, but yeah. You know, we've waited long enough. So was there anything else you wanted to add about the why? Because I think we hit the things. We both have a lot going on. Arena's not the shiny new toy anymore. It's more in vogue to complain about it. That does a toll on people, especially people giving up free time to make content. So a final thing I want to say is that I came for the arena, but I stayed for the people. Mm. And I think that that's really, you know, I noticed that for me lately, the highlight of doing the podcast was just hanging out with my friend Covert Go Blue every week and talking about magic. D don't get me wrong. That is enough of a reason to do a podcast, right? You don't need anything more than that to make content. But at the same time, I just felt like if I kept going, the quality of the product would start slipping. And I feel like it already has in a couple of subtle ways that perhaps not everyone notices. And so, you know, that's another thing. I don't ever want to do anything half-assed in my life. I don't ever want to make a, a product that I'm not proud of. And that's at the heart of it. You know, I think a lot of people would say they'd like look at what we do and they'd be like, people like your podcast. You're making great content. You have a bunch of people who are into it. Like, why would you ever walk away from something like that? And I think for me, I'm just like, if I'm going to work on a sustained creative project, I really need to feel the drive and I need to feel the fire. And if it's not there, then I need to re-examine what I'm doing. And so this is also opening the way for me to do other creative projects, which I'm very much looking forward to and which you, the Craft Nation, may end up hearing about someday. Yeah, so don't give up on the Discord just yet. There might be some <laughs> announcements is what you're trying to say. Keep following on Twitter. We'll have a rebrand. I'm not sure what it'll be. The rebrand will be full-ass Arjuna. 
<laughs> full no ass. half ass, just full ass. Full Let's ass. Go. Just we only <laughs> enter through the back door. <laughs> oh, this this is really already uh, an unhinged episode. I kind of love it. Do you want to transition into the Arjuna Awards part of the show? Let's do it, Crafties. Kovac Go Blue has prepared a little little farewell, as it were. I'm very excited about it. I will probably end up having some questions for him as well. It's uh, mostly just interview format. I'm going to ask you for faves and least faves and have at it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll rehash some stuff. What's the episode count? Do you have that? Episode count. I think that we are on... Fernando's really good at tracking this and... Uh, I'm not as good at tracking it. Shout out to Fernando, who's done all the audio editing for quite a while now, actually. Yeah, Fernando, total badass. Just another person who was inspired by the podcast and wanted to chip in and then ended up working with us. I think we're on 122. 122, okay. 122 episodes. Very nice. Indeed. You know what's absolute ass? Have you seen this? I'm holding up Mountain (laughs) Dew Flamin' Hot. This is Mountain Dew with a blast of heat and citrus. Arjuna, something that is just going to be forever true, you'll find out. You might already know from previous relationships. Wives, when they go shopping, just love to buy husbands weird shit. Don't know why. Grocery shopping, my wife just brings me back. Flaming hot citrus Mountain Dew. Yeah. Okay. This is terrible. She's just trying to keep you engaged, man. She knows what you love. It won't be up. You know what she never brings me? A booster pack. Oh. <laughs> well, maybe that's like, you know, bringing your husband work, right? <laughs> hey, honey, guess what I brought you? Another customer. Woo! It sucks because I run out of Mountain Dew, and then this is like the last thing in the fridge. And <laughs> you know what? Here we are. It's bittersweet, just like this podcast. Um, So uh, we're going to start with the Arjuna Award for... In the 122 episodes since you've made the podcast, do you remember the newest set when you started? The newest set when I started? I think it was Eldraine. Yeah, I think it was. I was going to yeah. guess Eldraine. Okay. Yeah. So, basically, since the Eldraine release, I want to know your favorite format. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually funny that you should ask this in that context, because I really did love Eldraine Standard. Like wow. Simic really baby did. to the moon. I, well, I mean, Simic was strong. Simic was a, a strong color combination at that time. There was a lot of Sultai. There was a lot of Tima. This is what I'm going to say about Eldraine. Eldraine really did wreck a lot of things. It kind of ran roughshod over a lot of formats. There were a lot of cards, multiple cards that were too strong for many formats. It really was from a design perspective. A mistake. On the other hand, there were so many good cards in Eldraine that you could just keep building decks. And like the decks were strong and the decks were fun and you could do really cool stuff. I played like 50 shades of mono green in that format. Loved it. <laughs> I played a hundred shades of fires of invention. Do you remember how many different fires of invention decks you could build? There were like as many fires decks as there were Yorian decks. Every day you could wake up 
and conceive of a new Pfizer Dimension deck. And who knows? Like it would probably win and get you to Mythic, right? This sounds funny, but there really were a variety of cat oven decks you could play. <laughs> That's true. true. Yeah, people that forget. Is true. Yeah. There were a variety of ways to kill the opponent with Ember Cleave. You could put it on a knight, you could put it on a rotting Regisaur, you could put it on an annex hardened in the forge when Theros came out. I mean, there were multiple uh, Lucky Clover decks as Aaron Girdler took us through. I remember playing like Ozov Knights with Lucky Clover and you were draining people out. Oh, yeah. Adventure I, Golgari, I think. Golgari. Oh. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to errat it to Golgari. If you played Orzov and got the job done, though, good no, for you. No, I did. Yeah, no, oh, I think okay. I was. I think I was playing because those were like, I think Mardu were the Knights colors. Yeah. Well, there were various Ozov Knights decks that you could build, but I was memeing around with Lucky Clover. Now, Golgari Clover was a whole other deep well of fun. Uh, I remember even at one point I made a Grixis Clover list, which, you know, if I hadn't drained myself out by copying freaking Murderous Rider, <laughs> I think would have actually been a pretty cool list. So anyway, the point I'm making is that that format was so deep because the number of powerful cards in that set was so deep. They could basically have these rolling waves of bands and uncover new cards and new archetypes that were still at the top of the meta. And so I think like while a lot of people, and I'm sure especially competitive people, kind of hated that format, for me, who was kind of a filthy casual at the time, it was just like a total playground. I had so much fun playing in that format. And I think it's one of the reasons I decided to make the podcast was that I was just so invested at that time. So I'm going to try to nail you down. Uh, is this Eldrain pre-Oko ban standard? It was. Okay, yeah, so was. the rotation right there, Ixalan, mm -hmm. I think, rotated? Something yeah. like that? <laughs> one, of, one of the weakest sets in Magic history left. <laughs> Dominaria, I believe, rotated there. So it was Ravnica and Throne. And uh, M20? Yeah. M20 as well, okay. which was also a busted which set. Absolutely I mean, busted. You have to remember, Oko Field was still legal in standard. Golos, let's go. Oh, like Golos, yeah, sorry. Oko is just overlaid. No, 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 no. It was Oko, it was Oko Field because you'd elk the Golos and yeah, move <laughs> you on. You had to hit yeah. your opponent's Golos. That's what <laughs> yeah. it was. It was a busted format, but it was a fun format. And like... It's like when you have a bunch of busted decks fighting each other, it can actually be really fun. Oh, it's exciting. Um, yeah. But what they didn't quite account for is the millions of games that Magic players play. And some yeah. people literally just wake up and grind some Magic and go to bed. It, it's like so much of their life. And it does. they become very loud voices of, okay, this was wrong. This overshadowed everything in all these formats. And we're sick of it now because we play like x many hours a day and it's really hard so yeah you know i i think they really underestimated how much people would play mtg arena when they went through with fire design philosophy but yeah i think that very few people talk about or acknowledge or mention what you've mentioned here which is like those first games are really fun before you drive it into the ground it's really fun there were a lot of really interesting decks at that time. And, you know, they were busted, but, you know, I hated them and whatever. But, like, you always hate something, right? There's always a groaner, right? There's, there's always that, like, <laughs> yeah, there's always that get under your deck aggro deck that you hate. There's always that, like, go over the top of your deck control deck that you hate. There's always that other deck in the meta build around some busted card that you hate. I mean, that's just magic, right? There's and always so, mill. 
Yeah, yeah. There's always Mill <laughs> somewhere. People hated Oko. Maybe it's that I was a Simic mage. I never hated Oko that much. I found ways to beat Oko. I found ways to build new decks with Oko that I enjoyed. Again, it's one of those things where, like, if you were like a top tier gamer, you saw a very narrow band of the meta that was playable, and that was probably frustrating to you. But I do remember even like a lot of top pros said that even though it was a narrow format, the gameplay was very interesting. I think I was watching like a Huey Jensen match. It was like a pro tour match of an Oko mirror. And like Huey is like one of the best magic players who's ever lived. You could like see the veins popping out on his forehead when he was like, oh my God, there's so many choices in this game. It was amazing. I think for a lot of Magic players, it was really like peak challenge. I don't know. There was a lot going on. All right. Not all sunshine and rainbows because we need to let out a little salt on the way out the door. Most hated format. Oh God. This one's easy for me. Okay. This recent pre-New Capenna standard format is a runner-up. Okay. Kamigawa standard. Yes, Kamigawa standard. Ooh, okay, wow. I like. I love the Kamigawa set. Think it's amazing. One of my favorite draft formats of all time. Some of the coolest cards I've ever printed in Magic. And that standard has been so dismal. It's been a wasteland for me and what I like to play. And I think it's because it, it was basically like Magic the mid-ranging. And as much as I have sometimes enjoyed mid-range gaming in the past, I just like the particular choices that were available in that format that continue to be available in this format were just so deeply boring. Oh, it's like pure value is like rewarding to a lot of people, but it is slow and it is monotonous. And that's kind of what it is. There's no explosive stuff like fires can create or like, I, I hate saying this, but if you have a cat in two ovens and a mayhem devil, it is explosive. It is a it is. high-powered machine gun. It is a killing machine. Yeah. And yeah, or like remember that Jeskai Fires deck? The only reason that deck went long is if it wasn't immediately winning. But it was like every turn it had the chance to kill you. Oh, right? yeah. And so I mean, yeah, games just weren't as long and they were more exciting. And um, sometimes you hated it, but it turned over quicker and it was dynamic. Watching Wandering Emperor versus Lolth for the 50th time, right? How do they do it? Hey, (laughs) you know, some people really get into it, but I get it. You know, not your fave. But that was the runner up. I've said this before on the podcast, but the pre-Omnath ban standard was just (laughs) excruciating. Battle Battle for Zendikar Omnath (laughs) standard. Oh my god, and especially if, like Oro was still legal in the format. It was just miserable. I Could you believe that was right after a rotation too? Like they yeah. rotated four sets. Two pretty busted sets in War of the Spark and M20. M20. And then we had like the worst standard ever defined by one card that was so Zendikar Rising. Just look at that set now. There it's like Luminarch Ass Pirate and a bunch of nonsense, right? It's like the DFC Mythic Lands and Luminarch Asper and, and I don't know, a handful of other cards that matter. It was just a really imbalanced set and a really imbalanced format. Um, I don't know if I'm remembering this exactly right, but I think it was like they banned Uro and then it switched over to being like the Lucky Clover version of yes. the deck, which was basically like, we're going to shuffle this busted deck in with this busted deck and it's going to be like giga busted interesting gameplay decisions in those decks but it was just like 
do you remember watching that pro tour whatever it was and like the commentators were literally like so like how about them broncos you know like they were just over it they just didn't want to talk about the magic that was happening on screen i remember choosing to stop watching that pro tour the top eight had, I think, Brian Brondewin was playing Rogues, and that was the hero, and everything else was an Omnath deck. Can the you fi- imagine Rogues being the hero? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but it was at the time. People it said was. it couldn't be Uro until Uro was banned. Then people mm. were like, it's too underpowered against Omnath. This is like powered up freaking Rogues. This is Thieves Guild Enforcer, Luris. Oh my god. The stuff that was legal. But that format, I think you are 100% right. One of the most egregious things. What The best memory I have of that format was the day that they banned Uro and left Omnath. My stream was scathingly brutal. It was like a really angry stream. And I had like a thousand people hanging out. And then I'm like, you know what? Maybe it'll be fine. We'll go queue up one game. And the very first game I... IQ into is, you know, Omnath doing its thing. And I just put on like some dramatic, like really sad music. And when mm. the Omnath players started popping off, I just. <laughs> he just, just backed up. <laughs> just moved the chair out of the view of the camera. <laughs> I just dipped and I let the rope completely rope that person out. <laughs> It's one of my favorite times on stream ever because the timing with the music was amazing. So, like, right when the rope kicks in, you know, the boom, the, like, the yeah. music, like, swells. It was, like, so sad. so good. It was amazing. And then after it roped out, I was, I just, like, came back for a second to be, like, you know, this is the worst of times and just locked off. Yeah. Oh, that was my favorite memory from that. But um, it's because it was so bad. I was basically making anti-magic content, which we talked about. Not my cup of tea. It's cool for a hot minute, but you don't want it to be like the basis of what you do. Uh, You know, there have been other miserable standards as well, but those are the two that really stand out to me. Okay, sweet. Do you have, from your time making this podcast, a favorite card? A favorite card. A card that just buttered every side of your bread every week. Yes, my friend. Yes, I do. It's partially a favorite because it was one of my best called shots on the show. But also, I just love, love the archetype. I love playing with it. I love going over the top. It's everything Arjuna wants to do. And that, my friends, is Emergent Ultimatum. Oh my gosh. So CGB and I have talked about how we were both playing that card before it was cool. We always saw our potential in the card. And the thing it was really lacking was just like the pieces to really and truly go over the top. But I mean, you know, I was like one of those people who was like growth spiraling into Nyssa, into casting uh, Sultai Ultimatum, hopefully early. I was having a heck of a time playing those decks back before they were really able to actually win. But it just felt good. It felt good popping off. And it did the things that I like to do in Magic, which is just like cast some overwhelmingly big spell that makes your opponent go, fuck, right? (laughs) (laughs) So whether or not I won after that didn't really matter to me. I just wanted to see the popping off. Enter Kaldheim, which is kind of low-key one of the more busted sets they've printed in recent memory as well. Sneaky Um, one, right? I think they did a good job with Kaldheim in that maybe I'm forgetting, but I feel like it was only really busted in like standard. I don't think it really messed up other magic formats the way some of the other busted sets did. 
but it was really messed up in standard specifically. I mean, we had Alrin's Epiphany, Gold Span Dragon, the Seeker's Chariot, Faceless Haven, and uh, that just like put the ultimatum over the top. We could also still do Yorian shenanigans, and they printed another one of my favorite cards in recent years, which is Binding the Old Gods, which is like such an Arjuna e card. Mm. So, yeah, overall, uh, I feel like that deck is synonymous with me, and uh, I enjoyed every second of its ascendancy in standard. I looked it up on YouTube. I found my first Sultai Emergent Ultimatum deck. Nice. It's from uh, June 1st, 2020. It has Yorian in it, of course. Of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, I mean, this deck has four Arboreal Gracers and four uh, Risen Reefs and yes. four Leafkin Druids and four Growth Spirals. It has a like Questing Beast and Yarrick. Wow. I'm trying to like see Wait, this Yarrick? whole list. Yeah, Yarrick the Desecrated. <laughs> Just like every good Sultai card. <laughs> that with Risen Reef, I guess, you know, you need that yeah. five. Check out these hits for Emergent Ultimatum I was running. Command the Dreadhorde. Thought that Distortion. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Spark Double. <laughs> of course. Okay. End Raise Forerunners. Yup. <laughs> that and Spark Double, and they're just dead a good amount of the time, I guess. <laughs> um, Agent of Treachery. Oh, no, that card was still in the format? All right. <laughs> Dude, just that card alone being in the format, the deck should have been competitive. <laughs> I guess so, but remember, we were cheating it out with uh, Luca at the time. This is yeah. June 1st, 2020. This is peak yeah. fires Luca. But I, I think that's, oh my gosh, that's that's really funny that that was like my first take on the build. In November, we got another one. This is post-rotation. But this is before Kaldheim. So the hits are Shark Typhoon, 4x of those. Nice. Boon of the Wish Giver. Draw four? Yeah. Nice. CGB all the way, baby. Massacre oh, yeah. Worm. Kogla the Titan Ape. Hurabest the Sea God. Yeah, classic. And Thorn Mammoth. Thorn Mammoth. <laughs> classic Brawl card. This is the nonsense you could play, and this was a top 1000 Mythic deck that I ran. I mean, this yeah. was the nonsense before uh, All Runs Epiphany broke it. And, I mean, honestly, this was just good fun, to be honest. Indeed. Yeah. No, indeed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those are just cards that are fun to resolve, regardless of what else you're doing, right? Yep. So, I love the card. I think the power level on Emergent Ultimatum is exactly right. Obviously, when other busted cards are in the format, it can push it too far. I think it's a perfectly designed card, in my opinion. The constraints were right. It forces you to build this kind of weird, top-heavy, kind of rampy, but somewhat reactive deck. And I don't know. I just like I continue to play it in historic, where like trying to get the opponent as close to dead as possible the turn you cast it is a challenge. I think it's a beautiful card. I really do. Just don't print extra turn cards or don't print even monocolor extra turn cards while it's legal. And I it might have had moments of being the best deck, but wouldn't it be oppressive? Like it's that that's pretty easy. Come on, yeah. guys. I, I think I might know the answer to this based on your standard format question, but the most hated card. Most hated card. If I said Omnath, it would probably be true, but here's the thing. I almost just noped out so hard of that format that I didn't actually hate Omnath. It was just kind of like I knew it was going to be gone. It was like the storm will blow over and then whatever. 
So I think my most hated card has to be something else, like a card that I've just played against day in and day out on the ladder that has just induced so much rage for me. You know, I gotta say, I don't know if this is top of the list for me when all is said and done, but Elite Spellbinder mm, has just... I, I had a feeling. Oh my god, that card is so good against the things I like to do, which is basically casting cards that cost four or more mana. That card has wrecked me so hard. This is the thing I hate, CGB. Is your opponent develops their board and they do this and they do that and you like come up with a plan and you're going to do the thing and it's going to be fine and on the last possible turn they slam the spellbinder and they mess you up. Damn you, Paulo! <laughs> Just... <laughs> I, I do well and truly hate that card. Uh, I can agree with that one. Maybe we touch on some of this already, but I still love going over it. Favorite deck. Favorite deck. I can think of a few Arjuna candidates for this particular Arjuna award. I, you know, mono green and a number of builds comes to mind. Emergent ultimatum definitely comes to mind. Saltai ultimatum. Various teamer adventure style of decks have to be contending, you know, battling back and forth in your head right now. Cyclone Summoner Simic Ramp 2022 has to be, it's got to oh, be man. fighting for a spot, you know? What do you think? Oh, that's a tough question. Favorite deck? A 60 or 75 you would play for the rest of your life. That Cyclone Summoner deck was probably the deck that I, like I had the most brain chemicals, pleasure chemicals firing when I was playing that deck. It was just so much fun. I so enjoyed the puzzle of making that deck work in the meta game. I think it probably has to go to that deck. I will say that no deck made me think the way Teamer Adventure did. And that was one of the reasons I enjoyed playing that deck so much. No deck forced me to plan so many turns ahead and forced me to come up with so many unconventional lines in order to win a game of Magic. That will always be a deck that was near and dear to my heart. There are a couple of decks that I, you know, played or brewed that didn't quite get there. They weren't quite good enough, which uh, were also just favorites of mine. Uh, I remember playing a mono blue deck in Kaldheim standard, which I won a surprising amount of games with. I was regularly beating mono red. I was regularly beating rogues with that deck. And it was playing a bunch of meme cards. We were playing uh, Cosima. Cosima. We were playing <clears throat> Cosima. Uh, we were playing Alrund, the actual creature Alrund with Hawk of the Raven. I think we were playing the, the Snow Draw 5. Anyway, it was just like a total meme deck. And I had so much fun playing it. And it was so challenging to get the wins, but it could actually get the wins. We were even fetching Ugin from the sideboard as a way to close. That was a fun time. So I have a couple of like kind of bangers like that, which were never going to be competitive decks, but which were just really interesting. I remember playing it on stream and multiple times I timed out. Like I just went to time playing best of three against mono red. How I'm, often does that happen? I'm sure they loved that. Oh, I'm sure they <laughs> just enjoyed every second of it, right? Oh my god. There was that, there was that much to think about playing the deck. Because I'm, I'm sure you you know this, CGB, right? You brew decks every day. And sometimes you have a deck that's like, it's powerful, but it's not quite up to snuff. Yep. And in order to win with it, you need to play your most five head magic. Yep. And so that deck really forced me to play well 
It was like I couldn't be lazy playing it, and I loved that. That one will get an honorable mention, I think. Well, I don't have a special name for them, but I won't play them on my iPad. <laughs> it yeah, is what exactly. I'm trying to say. Not in front of the TV, not in bed at night. Like those decks, I only touch when I'm at the desktop in command zone mode, you know? Exactly. So, all right. Do you have a most hated deck in the history of the podcast? Oh, God. Most hated deck. There have been some bangers on this one, too. Maybe going through your mind might be the Luca Fires just steal all your lands, copy agent by turn five. I'm sure Rogues comes to mind just getting aggressively milled out and beaten to death at the exact same time. I'm sure Omnath, you said you kind of dipped on the format, but you didn't have to play many games to hate an Omnath deck. You know cat what's food? funny? Ooh, cat food is... Ooh. ooh. Cat food. All right. That's got to be up uh, there, too. You know, it's funny how a lot of the decks that are jumping to my mind in the moment are historic decks. Okay. So, that makes sense. For example, freaking Muxus, dude. Muxus. Oh. <laughs> there are a few decks that I hated more than Muxus. Especially, it was just like, they always had it, man. Or they always found the matron. Or they always had that... Stupid goblin that sacks other goblins to make mana. I just felt like it was such a had it deck. And it was a deck that I felt like should have been worse than it was. Okay, so that one might win. What about Tybalt's Trickery? Oh, you know what? That one never really got under my skin. I think you know why. Why? I was playing Sultai Ultimatum at the time. And basically, like, what would happen is, like, they'd get, like, a coma down and i just soul shatter it. And then they'd get like a Kiara Best of Sea God and I'd just Shadow's Verdict. And then I'd just cast my own ultimatum and I'd be like, suck on this. Or they'd get Ugin and I'd just binding the old gods on it and say go, right? So I think I was, at the time I was playing a deck that was like almost uniquely positioned to just totally meme on that deck. And uh, I was like, check it out. I'm also cheating stuff into play, but my deck is good and your deck sucks. That was like my Giga Chad (laughs) move against that deck. I hear it's a thing in Explorer now. Best of one. Tybalt's Trickery. How about that? What about um, Winota? That deck ever piss you off? No. I don't know why it didn't, but it didn't. Yeah, just Um, kill the Winota, LOL. (laughs) The deck I remember like in those colors that frustrated me most was Cycling. I truly, truly, oh. truly hated cycling. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that, oh my God, what Ooh. an annoying deck that was. Uh, uh. I think I've never played against a deck that was so linearly boring. It was like a combination of boring and good. <laughs> I mean, and there's just like a deck whose whole concept is built around like almost never resolving a spell. It's so antithetical to what's fun and magic. Even if you're playing one of those like Drago control decks, you do have to resolve spells. You have to have interaction. Things happen. Cards get cast. Mana gets spent. Stuff happens. In those cycling decks, it was just like cycle, 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 you're dead. Who thought that that was fun? Like, who thought that that was a cool idea? Who at Wizards was like, you know what'll really get them coming back? (laughs) I don't know, man. I agree with all of that. I really do. Oh, this next one's a banger. You're going to love this. Okay. The, the people at home are going to love this. Arjuna Award for the worst card that CGB likes. Oh, God. The- if you have some nominees, you're welcome to name them. <laughs> you know what's funny? I'm sure there are a billion of them. 
but I'm having a hard time thinking of some of them right now. Let's see the worst card that CGB likes. A few. Okay. I, I would nominate a few. Okay. Right near the um, top of the list, Yorian has to be a nominee. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yorian made its way into my heart. Oh, um, that's beautiful. Yeah. Here's the thing. Yorian, I still maintain, was a trap most of the time, but I'm not sure that I would call it a bad card. Yeah, maybe I should clarify that these cards, I, that I like them way more than I should or something like that. Okay, the four mana counter spell that shuffles stuff back into your deck. Devious cover-up. That could be a nominee. That is definitely, yeah. Is Coma a nominee? Did you ever really like that card? Did I? <laughs> I, I <laughs> sure added it in some decks, didn't I? You, this is funny because uh, I wanted to say Hallbreaker Hara. Yes. Which is not a bad card. We went <laughs> to just, Task on Hallbreaker Horror. We, we did, had we, we had did. some b- battles about that. Yeah. I, I got that one really wrong. That might have been my biggest miss overall on the podcast. Oh no, just... Storm the Festival's gotta be up there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. He will always dagger me with Storm. I, the the I thing think... about Storm. I think I'd have completely let it go and been like, yeah, it's probably not as great as I thought it was. But you like full circled. You you love this card now. It has ended up being my most played hated card by a long shot. I, I can't get off it, man. Here's the reason, though. Okay. Unless people think that I'm like just a total memer or like a complete idiot or something. I, well, I probably am that. But that card really is still one of the best things that you can do in green ramp if we'd had any other options i probably would have shied away from it so i was forced crafties i was forced into it can you uh some others that i don't know if you liked these cards but i played them way too much would be like maze mind tome and uh, stuff like that fine. that card was um, fine you know what's funny i still think of you as being like the um what was it, the sunset revelry was that the card that's a card uh, I still play, yeah. I, I still think that card's bad, so let's let's put that one on the list. <laughs> okay. Does it win the award? Does it win the award? I think it does win the award because it is the CGB-iest card that I still think is a bad card. Let's go with that. Sunset Revelry. Love it. Okay. Put the stamp on it. All right. Fave bit from the podcast. We've done what what you might call bits, We've gone the extra kind of silly mile for the content in the past. Do you have a favorite bit from the cast? All right. So gas our ass is always going to be close to my heart. That was a recurring gag that I uh, always enjoyed. One of my favorite bits was the whole like, uh, like I think Storm the Festival was the best example of it, where it was just a running gag that kept coming up. Coma of course, was another one. There were a couple of other cards that we famously disagreed on and daggered each other about. They're not jumping into my mind right now. One of my favorite bits, I was probably one of your least favorite bits, was Arjuna like says a bad card's going to be good, and then CGB disagrees, and then it wins a tournament. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's not a bit. <laughs> that is not a bit. <laughs> I feel I feel like after time, like I started just calling shots on random cards because I was just hoping they'd come back around. <laughs> okay, fine. The you know I'm what, right, CGB's wrong bit is the favorite. Big shocker. You know, you know what it's like? It's like going all in on meme coins and then them getting there. 
and then being like, suck it, you know? Yeah, I was <laughs> right, mother. I was right, bitches. <laughs> if, yeah. Yeah, if I'm going to keep lording uh, Storm the Festival for all eternity, I guess I have to take my uh, daggers as well. Gotta take your Do you remember I- any any of these bit cards that you took a shot on that one events? There was that team pumping card, the Anthem. It just gives your team plus one, plus one. I don't remember. It was a white card. Rally the ranks? No, it wasn't. It was a, I think it was like a, it was like a crusade. I'm blanking. It's an enchantment? Yeah, it's an enchantment. It was in the same set as Basri Cat. I don't remember what this this was. McKinney Stampede or? No, No, but it wasn't Rally the ranks. I'm pretty sure it wasn't Rally the Ranks. It was oh. another it was another anthem. Oh, there was also um Storm the flyer that scries that's cheaper when you cast an instant or sorcery. <laughs> Stormwing entity. That? Stormwing entity. Okay. Yeah. I'll that take was another a, I'll famous take a, example. Take a little stab on that one. <laughs> take a take a shot. That, a body blow right there. That was truly a card that was horrible and standard, but just happened to win a tournament one weekend. You would also take flyers on just like the draft cards, like like seize the spoils. That's a card, right? And it's like okay, that's not a card. And then Vadric like somehow does a combo with it, and you're like, I'm the greatest. I knew that's it. What the whole time. That's I what I'm saying. I called it nine months ago. That card would win something someday. And- oh man, you miss all of the shots you don't take, CGB. I guess so, <laughs> guys. I'm talking directly to the Crafty Nation. If you ever ask yourself why some of our set reviews were three to four hours reading all kinds of weird draft cards, it's because Arjuna was exactly this. He, he wanted to take all the shots he could to someday throw it right in my face. And that's why those episodes were four hours long. Oh my god! My biggest victory there was that that deal five red spell that makes I was about to I was about to mention that card, Soul Seer. Soul seer, yes. Yeah, it's it's Victory. seared right here on my soul. <laughs> I still see it burning through that t-shirt, CGB. The worst part it. is I have to play these cards. Like when the meta just somehow breaks in some stupid way that suddenly this is the card, it does the thing, you've got to kill Heliod with it or what the hell ever. You're like, okay, I guess I'm gonna play this card or Juna's gonna dagger me for it and this week on the podcast. Maybe he'll never no. find out. I had a good run with red burn spells. I remember you weren't as high on frostbite either. That's true. And I was like, no, frostbite's going to be a thing. The other one I remember is the uncounterable for damage burn spell, where I was like, yeah, this card's going to see play. And you were like, no, nah, I don't think it will. Heated debate? Heated debate. And Saw play for exactly Goldspan Dragon. Like one of in a couple <laughs> decks. Dude, it was a player, man. It was a player in like. This is top what I'm eight. talking about. This it, is, dude. This is, I'm gonna <laughs> dude, miss I, this. Wait, <laughs> wait. I'm pretty sure that card in like the Pro Tour winning. What was it, Yuya? It, it was in Yuya's Pro Tour winning deck, right? I'm getting my name. <laughs> MTG <up>. World Championship <laughs> deck list 2021. Let's go right here. Let's find out. <laughs> Fact check. Did heated debate win the freaking championship, the world championship in front of the world? Oh my do, god! Do, I can't believe do, I'm doing do, this. Yuta Takahashi. Yuta Is Takahashi. it dragons? Is yes. there at least one copy of heated? Di- 
There's one in the sideboard. <laughs> Got him. Got him. Got him. <laughs> Molding. Oh my God. It's there. You know what, Crafties? Sometimes the Arjuna man is pretty gas at magic. Who says he to debate can't go face? <laughs> Victory! He's still getting me. I can't believe this. This is why you keep me around, CGB. This is why you keep me around. I'm gonna miss this! And while we're on the topic, the uh, freaking the adversary, the green adversary, you said it was a garbage card no one would ever play. It is! uh, Polo Vitor, Dama de Rosa, and I think Seth Manfield. Oh both ended God, up no, that no, no, no! Seth, Seth did not play it. Oh, Seth didn't. No, wait. let me hold on. Sam Party, we'll confirm. Sam Party played. We'll it. confirm. Seth, a gamer of true culture, Epic Five had best ever did not play it. So there, I have that going for me. Uh, but maybe world champion at the time, Paulo Vitor Domenarosa, might have ran one freaking copy in he his did. mono green deck. Yeah, he did. It was probably terrible. No, too. no, the bet for that one. What was the bet? It was well, green it was, adversary. It was adversary versus Storm the Festival. About which would get more played at a major tournament. Yeah, exactly. I and you I won think... because Paulo Vitor Dama de Frickin' Rosa put one copy in his mono green deck. This is what I'm saying, CGB. I don't know <laughs> I don't know what like I hate spirits. It, man of ghosts of the metagame are looking out for me, <laughs> but somehow I managed to be so wrong and so right about all of these cards. Gonna miss this. <laughs> On that note, this is going to be a fun one. Favorite CGB-ism. Favorite CGB-ism. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's one of them right there. It's the whole, for those listening at home, crafties, it's the whole, who me? (laughs) CGB puts his fingers together and just posts all innocently in front of the camera. I bat my eyes. It was such a good time. Um, I mean, later crafties ended up being like your signature of the show. It was your sign off. I don't know. It's like the show now feels incomplete without that at the end of it. So that was really a stamp you put on the show. Another thing that I loved, it's not really an ism, but it's just like the face that you made when I read a card in a set review that was just like beyond unplayable in your opinion. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was like CGB's version of like the blinking guy meme. It's just like, (laughs) it was like a combination of like, trying to still pretend that you respect me realizing that the next like one to three minutes of your life is just completely down the tubes and then i'm just sitting here going yep that's a card unplayable anyway moving moving on on. i would say that no one understands the extent to which you are a troll cgb but that's actually not true man (laughs) anyone anyone who's followed your stream understands okay but i will say you are one of the most multi-dimensional trolls I've ever met in my life. And I have to give you props for that. Thank you. <laughs> I think I'm really going to enjoy this next one. Least favorite CGBism. <laughs> Least favorite CGBism. CGB, you're so good at doing the whole love to hate thing that like 
My favorite CGB stuff is also my least favorite CGB stuff. <laughs> this is a funny thing about you, CGB. Side note. No one has ever beaten me more on the ladder without being the person playing me than you. I feel like my actual match win rate against you when we've played games of magic has been, I don't know what it is, but it's enough that I can respect myself at night. Oh, it's good. You, you won our heads to heads. Yep. Yeah, although I think you handed me that one. But anyway, but I don't think I've ever lost to anyone else's decks more than I've lost to your decks on the ladder. So I don't know if that's a CGB-ism, but like... Argh. I know for a fact there are listeners relating to this right now. Like, could he please just stop making these just terrible like, decks that I don't want to play anymore? Yeah. I also, for whatever reason, I think your deck choice style tends to be good versus my deck choice style. You know, I'm over here trying to like storm the festival into a completely unbeatable board state, right? And you're like the only person in the entire freaking meta game playing devastating mastery. WTH, man. I'm like, get out of my game, dude. I'm just trying to enjoy some magic. <laughs> that's my that's my most hated CGBism. Devastating mastery. <laughs> that, that, that card can shove it, dude. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> perfect you never let me down all right the final arjuna award that i have mm. on this list mm. do you have a favorite moment from the podcast if you could time capsule <sighs> this and what did i love most about the arena craft podcast is there something that would go in that time capsule there can be nominees too it's so hard for me to pick one so I'm just going to throw out a handful of them. Okay. First of all, like some of our band shows were like some of the most fun I've ever had creating content. The Omnath one, I think, was peak. But, you know, we, we had Oro, Agent of Treachery, all of the shows in which we talked about how ridiculous magic is and how they should have banned X, Y, and Z sooner. Do you remember that entire tirade that I went on about Winota? which no one else cared about. I think that those were some of the absolute peak times for me, just in terms of like us talking, making content, having back and forth, having opinions. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, those were good times. Nice yeah. to have somebody to bounce off of when shit hits the fan, dude. There were a couple of guest highlights that just really, really made it for me. Having Andrea Mangucci on the show, I don't know. He was definitely one of my white whales. And just like one of my favorite content creators ever. And also just an absolute pleasure as a guest. Yeah, it's hard to top him. We've had some amazing people on the show. I don't want to do shout outs because I know I'm like going to forget some people and it's going to feel bad. So I just want to say that like all of our guests pretty much without exception have been like some of my favorite episodes. You know, one other shout out I wanted to give was just Robert Taylor, Fire Shoes. I don't think a lot of people realized how much it meant to me to get Robert on the show. A couple of reasons for that. I actually had to send him a webcam to get him on the show. Wow. Like, I didn't know I this. Was, <laughs> I was committed. Wow. I was like, no, like we're getting Robert on the show. There were just, there were various hurdles that we had to overcome, but I just like, I've been a huge fan of Robert's for a long time. Robert, if you're listening to this, you've made a difference in my life. And, uh, Really, really loved having you on the show. That was like a, just a very personal appreciation there. 
I, I gotta say, man, another thing that stands out to me, and this, a lot of these actually didn't even end up on the show, but just like the stupid stuff that we do to kind of get the vibe going before we like start recording, <laughs> the stupid stuff that Fernando and Bottle Brush have to edit out of the show basically every time. That's a part of the show that is like a behind the scenes pleasure that is special. You mean I'm just not an ultimate troll in real life? <laughs> oh man i could say some really nice things about cgb right now nah. but i think that would uh he he, he doesn't want that nah spoil nah. the mood i'm gonna go on record arjuna thank you for once upon a time believing in a medium-sized content creator enough to have him as a regular co-host on a show that at the time had no co-host you know you you started this show on your own getting different guests every week you invited me once, you invited me back, you invited me to be a co-host, and without knowing it, I'm pretty sure, uh, helped me fulfill a dream of mine, because I love podcasts. I always have all kinds of podcasts. It's one of my absolute favorite kinds of media. It's like hard for me to remember my first podcast. There definitely hasn't been a week that's gone by where I haven't listened to podcasts, and there often have been weeks where not a day went by where I didn't listen to a podcast in some form. Hmm. Magic the Gathering podcasts have been a part of my life for at least, you know, like seven years. Kept me connected to the game when I was very far away from it with no LGS and no paper collection and no MTGO account, that's for sure. And I always wanted to be on a podcast and I always hoped it would be something I could be proud of where we made content that people did enjoy and got to talk about all the crazy things that Magic brings and especially tying it to MTG Arena, which at the time was the new shiny toy, the, the new product, and all the absolute wild formats that we've gotten to cast through. It very much has fulfilled a goal slash dream of mine to be on the kind of podcast I would want to listen to. And thank you. It means a lot to me. I will never forget that I got to do this, and it's going to hold a very special place in my cold black heart. I earned a place in the heart of the Demi-Lich. <laughs> Dude, thank you. And uh, I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for taking a chance on me, who is basically a completely unproven content creator in the space. I came out of nowhere. I had no credentials. I had nothing except my voice and a handful of opinions, which seemed to impress enough people that I managed to get somewhere. People will sometimes say this in like a cheesy way, but it's actually true that I feel like you've just been my biggest fan of the content that I create. And I feel like you've believed in me during times when I feel like a lot of other people were just like, who is this guy? Or this guy's deck suck. Or this guy has shit ideas. Or like, you know, this guy's not qualified to talk about magic or whatever. And I feel like as much as you might troll me or dagger me or make fun of my liking bad draft cards or whatever, I feel like you have been able to see the part of me who is like a dedicated magic player with interesting ideas. And I felt really seen by you in that way. Thanks a lot, buddy. And also just like taking a chance by putting our show on your channel, which is like, you know, it's like doing something on main. You can do a side project, but when you bring it to main, like it's a whole different vibe. Yeah, I really appreciate that, man. It has made, it's changed my life. It really has. 
Awesome. And, you know, as far as putting it on main, thanks to all of you who tuned in for sure, because uh, it's always risky doing a different kind of content on a platform like YouTube. And I remember like the early shows. I never told you this. I didn't want it in your head. I actually had negative subscriber numbers on our on the first few podcasts I put on the channel. <laughs> you know, they'll show you it. like the plus minus subs. I, I'm like down subscribers. I still think I thought throughout and I always will that the podcasts are valuable content like this kind of long form discussion is something that more people should at least ha try to experience it. It fits into so many wonderful places, whether it's in the car or while you're working on something else. But at the same time, you can pick up ideas and perspectives from other places that you might find useful or entertaining, or at the least, you know what to, you disagree with. <laughs> so um, I, I love this show. I've absolutely enjoyed it. Thank you very much uh, to everybody who is watching on YouTube and everybody listening. And big thank you to Arjuna. You know, you, you're the man. Thank you. Yeah, I, I wanted to give a shout out to all the members of the Craft Nation. A lot of people will say this, but like, I really believe that our community is one of the nicest and most supportive that I've seen in the magic space. It was always clear to me that like, a lot of the haters that I would get, especially like in the comments on CGB's YouTube channel, it felt like people dipping into the community and being like, this guy sucks and dipping out. But like for anyone who's actually been committed in the craft nation, I felt like basically nothing but positive vibes. I also just like wanted to thank everyone who stops by the stream. Like I'm a very <laughs> infrequent streamer. And it's probably frustrating to try to follow me on Twitch for that reason. And so like the people who are like still sub to me on Twitch, even though I go live like once a month, sometimes you're the real OCs, the real original crafties as it were. So I've just felt like incredible support and I, I don't know. I just like, I couldn't have asked for more really this show like exceeded my expectations in pretty much every way. It's a cool thing that we've all created together. How often can you say that? Like, how often can you look at something that just exists on the internet and be like, that was a spontaneous culture that just sprang up and hopefully made some people's lives better, especially during like what will be remembered as one of the hardest times in, in recent history. I believe we did a show every week during that time. I think yeah. we did. I think yeah. we actually made it pillar to post on that one. Yeah, I think we missed one, but... It wasn't because we didn't record a show. There was like some other reason. Yeah, during the lockdown, we'll call it. Yeah. <laughs> the lockdown. I don't know. I don't know if I have an elegant way to take us out of this. But I just wanted to, in conclusion, say that I still love magic. Me and magic aren't going anywhere. I'm still going to be playing. I'm probably still going to be lurking in CGB's streams and trolling, making comments on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. You know, please reach out to me if you're a member of the Craft Nation and you have a Simic deck that you need some feedback on, send it my way. I'll try to help you out. And you know, I'm I'm now a world traveler. Go all over the world for my work. And so um let's hang out. Let's play magic together in Prague. Let's play magic together in Zurich. Let's play magic together in Mexico City. I want that. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, follow on Twitter or join the Discord. Kind of your last chance to do it. If you're on YouTube, go click the link below on the Discord. But yeah, go follow ArenaCraftPod on Twitter. You know, I'm probably going to change that. 
I need to go my own way. I understand. I need to strike out with my own brand. We'll we'll see what that ends up. Go follow it before he changes it, Crafties. Get on it. (laughs) Hurry. It's about to change. (laughs) Link's in the description. Let's go. (laughs) Indeed. I'm going to say my outro now, and then I'm going to hand it over to you, CGB. Crafties, be courageous. Play the decks you want. Fear not for the net deckers. Eat a Wheaties every morning. Be undaunted. There will always be a new day in the arena. And with that, CGB... Later, crafties. Later, crafties.